Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. Uh, we've been about as effective as Scott Wright in an important match over the last few weeks, but it's uh, about quality rather than the relentless pushing of content, isn't it? Welcome to the place where you don't get much of either, or at least certainly not from your show regulars. Uh, and joining us, as usual tonight, is Martin Clunas. Martin, hello. Was it a, a, has it been a sobering weekend for you with your oldest turning 18? Not your oldest, your only turning 18. My only one, yeah. My only one, thank you. Yes, it's, um, well, t- today's been sobering. Um, <laughs> last, night, last night was the big, was uh, was not sobering. Right, okay, okay. Have you have you had thoughts about your own mortality over the weekend? I, I like to keep it upbeat to start with. Uh, yeah, just a um, little, bit, little bit tired and emotional, yeah, we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> As always, we'll be relying on our guests to bring the smarts. And uh, first up this week, it's Philip Mayer. Philip, have you got that post-game against that rabble from Ibrox rage out of you yet after a week? Uh, just just about. I mean, it's it's been very few and far between in my lifetime that I've been able to be quite happy with um, performances against Rangers. So I, I take them where I can, even if it is a draw. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was, there were definitely quite a lot to be positive about on Tuesday and we'll come to that uh, in a short time um, and then rounding up the panel tonight panel <laughs> yeah as if uh, it's as professional <laughs> as that um, anyway it's a solid dependable Brian Grant style figure of Mark Elric Mark how are you I'm delighted to be part of the panel Excellent. Uh, you've been keeping yourself busy. Uh, there's a particular project which we'll which we'll talk about uh, later in the show, but uh, you do like to give yourself a lot of work. Clearly, like I'm not busy enough as it is, you know. But some some causes are worth a, a bit of uh, sleepless nights over, I suppose. <laughs> Yep, uh, as I say, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in detail later. So first, going back to last week and uh, the visit of the Premier League's newest club. Um, positives, as you say, Philip. Um, I thought, you know, we had a good structure and good shape about us. We were high up the pitch for most of the game. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of the ball. That's not always the be-all, end-all, obviously. I mean, we've gone to Ibrox and won with like 30% of the ball in recent times out past them, things that we haven't seen from an Aberdeen team in this fixture for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was exactly what I was going to say. It's it's something different. I mean, um, the past few seasons, we've, regardless of whether it's at Ibrox or Pataudry, we've tended to sit in and let Rangers have the ball. So it was, it was quite nice to see us dominate in possession for once. Um, I think that kind of shows the sort of leaps and bounds that the squads came, came in on. Um, and I think the sort of the, the way we'd set up was positive from the get go. Um, even after we conceded, it was it was really positive. So it was it was very refreshing to see. Martin, I thought one of the key factors was obviously the fact that we got our uh, fullbacks pressed right off the pitch. Johnny Hayes, in particular, was finding some excellent pockets of space. Wasn't always utilised to the best. Um, um, as the best option and it was partly obviously because he had Scott Wright in front of him who did, just didn't seem to understand the you know what he was meant to be marking uh, marking and tracking back with but um all in all it was um it was an example of the kind of risk versus reward of just having the back two of Bates and McCrory basically sit whilst you've got your fullbacks bombing on you've got Scott Brown just in front of the back two. It was kind of a, structurally, it was probably exactly how it was meant to work when they chatted about this pre-match. Aye, it was great to see it come off. I mean, 
we've said, we've spoken about this before in here, and um, you you mentioned obviously Scott Wright struggling there. Hayes was getting up the pitch, and it, it proves that James Tavernier isn't actually that good, because um, he was he was he was struggling. Okay, sometimes the balls in from Hayes weren't weren't of the highest quality, but he was getting in those good positions, and he was making him struggle. And yeah, right, it's great. It was great to be able to laugh at him struggling like that. Uh, Tavernier, you know, just couldn't couldn't really cope with Hayes a lot of the time, um, which was fantastic to see. Uh, but yeah, you're right to mention Bates and McCrory there. I thought they were. I thought they were. They were really good. You know, a couple of well, a couple of dodgy moments, but. They were, I thought they were really solid. It's good to see. You no, know, they've played. They're now playing more times, to, more games together. They're getting that kind of defensive partnership going, um, which is which is obviously good. Good to see. Which is you know, we're looking for from you, know, you look to have that strong defense, guys that kind of you know work well together. And that's that's finally what's happening. You know, we've been we've been dodgy. You know, in, in points this season. Um, and you you look now as well. We've obviously got so we've still got Gallagher. We've got Constantine to come back. Um, so when th- those two clicking and playing really well in what is a game that is a, is a tough game for us was excellent to see. Mark, it's often about battles, isn't it? Now I thought comprehensively we won the midfield battle, and we'll speak a bit more about Scott Brown certainly uh, later on. But then again, it was a depleted. Um, visiting midfield. I mean, the boy Sands making his debut was completely anonymous. And I think Glenn Kamara is pretty overrated personally. So I, I don't think that was a huge challenge compared to when we've played this team recently. And just generally speaking anyway, a lot of their attacking threat comes from their advanced fullbacks. They didn't get the opportunity at all to advance all night just because of the positioning of Hayes, because of the positioning on Ramsey, on the other hand. On the other hand, it's a great example of how, you know, by being bold, by being adventurous, you can help negate them as well. I didn't know Sands played. Like, genuinely <laughs> didn't know. Was that his debut? Yes, yeah. Yeah, no idea. Didn't know he played until you'd mentioned him. Um, and that maybe shows how anonymous he was. There was no... There was nothing to make me hate that number happening in the middle of the park. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think um, with Hayes and Ramsey pushing forward, I think their fullbacks were maybe not petrified, but they were they were cautious going forward. So they, they, they didn't supply um, what the likes of Tavernier usually does, I suppose. So I think you're spot on with, with Hayes um, and Ramsey winning those battles, but probably Hayes in particular. Um, I saw some I saw some messages on Twitter um, or some tweets on Twitter after, um, kind of calling out Hayes, and I thought he had a great game. I thought he um, he he definitely pushed us forward, maybe in passages of play and time when we were needing to get forward, get it forward, get it up, get it away from us, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, completely agree with you. Well, I think if there is a criticism of Hayes, and if there is a criticism of a lot of the team, was that whilst the structure and the shape was great. Uh, Philip, I thought the execution wasn't always quite there. So we were getting into promising parts of the pitch, seeing a lot of the ball, but maybe not doing that much with it. Is that a fair criticism? Yeah, I mean, I would say we, we, we've kind of shown that a few times this season. I don't think this was a was a one-off. Um, and I think, I think it's understandable as well. I mean, Rangers have a good defence. I mean, we can't negate the fact that they've got a good defence. Um, so at times it is difficult to break them down. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we seem to just work so many opportunities. I mean, Jenks alone could have very easily barred himself a hat-trick by half-time if he wanted to. But um, we just weren't clinical enough. And I think the, the worst one by far is McLennan's at the end. From the stands, I thought he was nowhere near it until I'd gone home and seen the replay on Twitter. Then I think that made it even more soul-destroying that we didn't win it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we definitely could have been more clinical, but... Uh, it's one of those things. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I would say I could put some of them in the back of the net, but I highly doubt I could. But it's... you could say about sorry about the game on Saturday as well. You know the structure was mm-hmm. great, but but we were snatching at efforts. You know the 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 final ball, the final delivery, perhaps wasn't there. So and it is something that we've seen all season. And um, yeah, hopefully just with more games, we we kind of get to that. Although we are halfway through the season, we should be we should know what. But the right hand should know what the left hand's doing by now, I think, you know. There's definite parallels, absolutely definitely parallels. I think the encouraging thing is that we have got that shape, not nailed, obviously. We'll probably 
turn out on Tuesday and it will look a mess again. But the encouraging thing was at least that shape, which hasn't always been very evident, that structure, that, that belief that the players understood the roles they were meant to be playing was there. But I, I think it's absolutely the case that all season long, and it's really a continuation of what we've seen for the past two years, really, that we haven't done enough haven't been inventive enough in the final third and um you know we're, we're fretting about losing hedges and hedges has definitely been one of our better players and one of the better players when it comes to the numbers uh, in the league but the fact is ultimately he has been part of the problem as has marley watkins uh, and as have all the other players who've played that attacking midfield role over the course of the last couple of years they just haven't really done enough that you'd expect them to do um I think we've got a number nine now who is effective. But when it came to last Tuesday night, Martin, Ramirez wasn't really involved at all. We had 15 shots uh, on Tuesday, but Al McGregor only had two saves to make, neither of which were particularly taxing. You know, the shots were coming from Brown, they were coming from Ferguson, they were coming from Jenks, but none of them from Ramirez. How do we get him involved more? Is that just the $64,000 question? It definitely is. It's it's not something I would say is a massive concern because if you're getting these answers, I suppose you know, you'll you've heard it a hundred hundred times after you no know, after matches when they're interviewed, they'll say it doesn't matter who scores as long as we're you know, as we're scoring and getting you no know, winning games. But um, he's going to want to, he's going to want to be getting goals. And he's going to be wanting to get wanting to get chances. He's this he's the main striker. He's you no know, he's the number nine. Um, so. When with the need to be, there needs to be also work done to try and involve him in the game. Or I mean, I think to be to be fair to to Rangers, the they did a good they did a good job on him. Um, you know, you're being fair, was, Rangers. Was, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah, see, this is a first. This is a I'm, first. I'm hungover, so you know, I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm at a weak moment. Um, sure. you know, they, they did a they did a half decent job, I'll say, of kind of you know of like marshalling him really. Um, and so he was, so he he didn't really get a chance to get into the. The game. The problem is, you know, games like that, you know, are kind of, you know, are, are different. It's it's the other games we need to be concerned of. If if that was like, for example, Tuesday against St. Mirren, um, and he wasn't getting, no, he wasn't getting really any chances. Then we, then I think it would be something to be concerned about. Um, but with the, they do need to be, we do need to be doing the, getting more. I mean, hedges, you know, if he stays or goes, whatever. You know, we need to be getting more of these guys so they're, you know. Getting, getting, creating the chances for him rather than some of the like some of the shots we had, like especially Brown obviously skied a couple over the bar. Um, okay, Jenks had some really good ones, and you know on another day that one that hits the outside of the post is going in the top corner probably. Um, but you know we need to be we need to be creating chances for Ramirez and getting him properly involved in the play and making him the focal point. I think the big difference on Tuesday night was it was the first time in a few games that Ramirez had to be up front really on his own. I think for a while he's either been playing in that sort of really strange front three of Ojo, Hedges and himself, or he's up with Watkins. And I think that was sometimes the issue on Tuesdays when we were going through spells right to weather the storm of pressure at times. And um, when the ball was, you know, cleared up in at the Rangers half, um, he was up by himself. So he was forced to take these positions out wide or he was forced to come deeper to get the ball. Um, so I think it's, it's in, in that sense, it's really un, unsurprising that he was sort of limited to opportunities in the box. Um, and I think if maybe someone like Watkins was playing on Tuesday night, then, you know, he might have had, for example, he might have been in the middle for the McLennan chance in the last few minutes instead of whipping the ball in himself. Yeah, but again, to raise the Edinburgh City game, you've got a situation he scores, but it's pretty much his only chance. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, he does score and he finishes it well, which is great, which is what you want to see and what consistently, frankly, has been happening all season. But, you know, if you can't get your number nine involved in a game like that, granted, modern football, you're going to try and exploit them out wide, you're going to try and attack them out wide, and maybe, therefore, the openings are going to come from there and not be your number nine. But it's still... It's a consistent concern that you're not getting your, the guy who has delivered for you involved on a more regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the game on Saturday is a bit different. Um, I think a lot of what Ramirez does well in my eyes is he's a workhorse. He will just press, um, which is quite nice to see. And I think that's where he creates a lot of his chances is by sort of pressing the ball to be turned over. 
and then obviously Worthless went the box. Um, but on Saturday, a lot of our shots were were just thumped from twenty five yards out. Um, and when the ball was coming into the box, a lot of the times it was was overhit or well, in terms of crosses, the cutbacks were fine, but um, a lot of times it was overhit or it was cut back to the edge of the box and taken on from there. Um, so I guess it's a concern, but I suppose it's one of those things to see how it works in the long run. Um, he still scored 12 this season, all competitions, which isn't a bad bad return for a striker who was written off by many just for being American. So, um, I mean, I, I, I like him. I don't want to speak bad about him. <laughs> No, it's not a question of speaking bad about him, Philip, though, because I think he is delivering when he gets the opportunities. If he was missing these opportunities, clearly you'd, you'd, it would be a different conversation right now. The conversation is about how do we get him more involved in the game, really? How do we make sure that he's seeing more of the ball coming to him between the sticks? And it's it's been a struggle for a lot of the season, despite the fact, as you say, that he, he has racked up a, a dozen goals. You spoke about his work in the press, and it, it, he is pretty tireless, but you know, I don't think our press has been quite the effective high-drilled operation that um, Stephen Glass would like it to be yet. Mm-hmm. We still have amongst the lowest number of pie turnovers, by which um, they mean turnovers in the sort of attacking third, defensive third, like when we scored our first goal at Ibrox earlier this season, for example. That would be a high turnover. And when we do turn it over, and I think this is almost, you know, just a just a narrative about our season so far, we're not really getting a shot away often enough, uh, Mark. Certainly we're below the, the leaders in the league quite considerably. Um, it, it's just, again, we, we're happy that we've finally got the shape and the structure. We think we're looking a bit more solid there. There's still a way to go with this team, though, isn't there, Mark? We do, we do. But again, maybe it comes back to Ramirez being up front by himself, okay, albeit with you know two wingers either side of him, but like there's only so much pressing he can do. And if he does win it back, how can he turn it over himself? You know, if the midfield is sitting so far back, I do think we've, we've got a good pressing game in midfield. And I think given our defensive frailties, perhaps in the first first half of the season, actually, I was going to say quarter, but in the first half of the season, it maybe makes sense that we're trying to tighten it up a little bit more at the yeah. back rather than concentrating on the press up front. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think to that. I think if if Ramirez has somebody up front with him, then maybe your shape goes further back. But then you're maybe winning more of the the, the high press, high turnover. You know, it's. I'm glad I'm not a football manager. Yeah, it is always going to come under that kind of risk reward thing, isn't it? The more you you press in the front, the more you maybe expose yourself further up the pitch. So, no, I think absolutely. We spoke so much early in the season about ensuring you have a solid base to work with, and we now yeah. are seeing the signs of. I don't want to speak too soon because, yeah, absolutely, this week ahead has just got two nil nil draws or two one nil defeats written all over, but. It, we are seeing the signs of a side which which is now a lot more stable and more easy uh, a lot easier on the eye certainly a lot more um, comfortable I think at dealing with the opposition pressure but it's a, it's about how we can become more effective at the other end because that's still really what's going to separate us from the rest of the league I suppose um, let's go on to speak about an individual who who did end up having a big impact on the game on Tuesday night. But for the first 70 minutes, Martin, I was pretty disappointed, actually, with Scott Brown's efforts. His sort of main contribution up to that point had been getting robbed by Ryan Kent and almost uh, giving them an early goal. And there was just, uh, I mean, obviously he was, he was, chances were falling to him and he was blasting them as high over the bar as was possible. And his passing just seemed a little bit off. He was getting in people's faces, absolutely, but... Uh, it just all seemed to be a little bit off. But then again, he just has that one moment in the evening. He induces uh, Ryan Kent into a challenge, which is um, which isn't worthy of a yellow, let's be honest about it. But he gets that decision and um, he gives a wink to the South Stand afterwards. You know, I mean, you, you saying that's not a yellow card. No, we're going to get complaints. That's me, <laughs> me half-defending them. And now you as well. There's actually people are going to be like, the fuck are these two guys talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you're you're right. Um, other than like other than probably a bit of shithousing, he's really not contributed much much for the first hour. Um, but um, he knows he knows what he's doing against them. I mean, 
it's 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 so unbelievably naive from them to to fall for that kind of stuff yeah. from him. Um, the fact is, I mean, I've not, I've not looked this up, but Scott Brown's probably played against Rangers what fifty times, maybe over the all the time he's played in Scotland, probably fifty games. They know they should they know exactly what he's about, what he's going to do, and they just fell for fell for like the the, the tricks and the the stuff he does. Um, and it was like I say, unbelievably naive from them, and it worked and worked in our favour. Um, you know, Kent kind of you know, went steaming in a little bit. You know, he, he didn't. I don't know. I don't know how much, if any, contact there was to be honest. But he he went in just stupid, stupidly from him as well. Particularly after what he was booked, what five minutes earlier for the the kind of squaring up to yeah, Johnny if Hayes. That, if that. Um, so he, again, you know, they're, they're they should know better. The doing stuff like that, and you know, um, again, raise, he raising his hands to Johnny Hayes. You know, you know, it's one of the, that is one of those where you've seen people be sent off for that. You're not supposed to be doing that. And I think, to be honest, I think that was probably in the referee's mind, where he's where he's probably let he probably thinks he's let him off with one, and then the next one that is even, you know, ten percent of a foul, um, he he has to send them off. And yeah, it was just. Brilliant for us, but absolutely brainless from them. And I think that summed up. I think that summed up a lot of their players and their play on Tuesday. Um, was was really was brainless. Yeah, especially from Kent as well. I mean, it was it was Kent that got sent off for swinging at Brown and Old Firm once, wasn't it? So I mean, mm-hmm. out of that entire Rangers squad, he should know the exact sort of mind games that Brown was going to go out and try and play. Yeah, they seemed unsettled, and I would put that down more to the way we were playing and the, the fact that we had a lot of the ball, which is not something they're used to domestically, as opposed to Scott Brown getting in their faces, Philip. But I, I, am I being too harsh on him? Am I, am I thinking, I mean, it's something we've spoken about that the site has lacked for a while, that kind of street-wiseness, if you will, that ability to goad opponents and encourage them to kind of lose their head a little bit, which is exactly what he ended up doing. But am I wrong in wanting a little bit more of a positive influence on how we play? No, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the, the footballing side from Scott Brown on Tuesday night was nothing really to write home about. I mean, at times he was positioned well enough to break up counters and whatnot, but I found a lot of his passes at times were a little bit too safe for my liking. Um, you know, play, playing the square ball back when you could send a winger in down the channel or even just be a bit more positive and getting it forward to someone like Ferguson or Hedges. Um, but I mean, in terms of giving the midfield that sort of swagger and that sort of confidence um, I, f- I felt he was quite good and, and like you say the, the the way he was able to get in the minds of Tavernier and Basse and, uh, and Kent you know is, is something that really swung the game in our favour towards the end um, obviously Rangers getting the red card but um, no I, I do agree in terms of the actual football and he, he did leave a little bit to be desired what about his midfield partner, uh, Mark? Because I think Lewis Ferguson has come on to some really strong form over the last couple of months. I think uh, I think he, along with a lot of the rest of the team, suffered in the opening opening months of the season when the form nosedived. But he's managed to put the um, sort of transfer talk behind him, and he's he's just bringing that consistency now, which uh, you, you only tend to see from players just before they leave Aberdeen, or at least in recent <laughs> history, that's the case. Yeah, it was a way to say that, you know, he's put, he's put the transfer um, shenanigans behind him, but maybe it's already sorted and now he just kind of knows that he can just play his game. Um, he, has looked, he has looked assured. Um, I know you hate the phrase, it's a transitional um, period, but it is, you know, like it's it's been 20 odd games playing together. So maybe now Ferguson knows the type of run that Ramsey's going to make, or he knows where Ramirez is going to be, or he knows what he's back three, five, four are doing, you know, so he he can make more marauding runs through the centre and break up play and turn it around. Um yeah, I'm a big fan of Ferguson. I hope he I hope he stays um as long as he wants to. <laughs> uh yeah, goodbye at the end of the week then, um, Lewis, if that's the case. Um no, um I, I, term transitional season, I I don't hear it. it's a reality, but the point I've made about that is, you know, we talk about it being that, but, you know, what actually are we prepared to accept? You know, when it came, when yeah. push came to shove, 
we can talk in advance of the season as to, oh yeah, well, we'd be happy with like fifth in a, a Scottish Cup semi. No, we wouldn't. We we were, no. we'll be <laughs> whinging like hell if that happens. And it's just, it's football. It's football fans. It's how we are. Um, so, so that's been my point about transitional seasons. And no, you can't expect teams to completely click and, uh, and gel straight away. Um, and it is about them getting on the same page and understanding how, how they operate as football, footballers. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Ferguson's really raised that level of performance over the last couple of months, and hopefully you'll never, ever see an end to the people thinking he's he's no good. Because I think first impressions just stick. But if people just are inclined to say, you know, such and such a player isn't any good, and just stick with that opinion despite the evidence staring them in the face, and I think the evidence with Lewis Ferguson is definitely growing. A sure penalty kick on Tuesday night as well, um, and you know that's. Um, Martin, that uh, penalty kick that should definitely have been retaken because um, the refereeing all night was uh, was poor, wasn't it? Eight separate incidents, I hear. I, I thought you had a fantastic game, to be honest with you. Um, that's probably the probably the best refereeing performance I've ever seen. Um, yeah, eight separate incidents, but I imagine five of those are you know all around, all involving the incident with Kent and Brown. Um, I've not really, I've not really read read no. Are they the articles about it? Because it's just funny to laugh at them, to be totally honest. Well, let's go through um, them chronologically. Let's look oh. at one which I'm, I'm sure they've raised. Um, I believe that um, this this one, oh yeah, Alan McGregor um, scything at um, at Ryan Hedges. What about that one? Did he get that one right? Oh, he got that one. He mean? definitely got that one wrong. I mean, that's there's there's no way he's going to send off McGregor though. That's the thing. A lot of people are kind of questioning the amount of contact and all that kind of stuff. The amount of contact doesn't matter. Uh, there was contact. You looked like today. I watched the Spurs game today. There was minimal contact, and they chalked off a goal for Harry Kane because he pushed someone over in the box. Doesn't matter how much contact. A foul is a foul. Um, and yeah, and you no, know, McGregor should have been off. Uh, and it's, and there's, I don't think there's any getting away from that. I don't think it would have been uh, a but, red card. I think there were there were other defenders back. I, I I don't think it would have been an automatic red card. Is what I'm saying. I think that you could easily have given the penalty kick, but not yeah. sent him off in that scenario. Yeah. There's the old it's, phrase as well, though. Eh? If it happens anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. You know, a yeah. free kick is given, so it shouldn't be any different because it's the goalkeeper coming wildly out of his box, all over the place, no control, doesn't touch the ball. It's a it's a foul, so therefore it's a penalty. Yeah, he comes like I say, he comes steaming out the box like Superman or something. Just what's like a really name? old Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, old pish stained. If, if, yeah. if, if, if that's Joe Lewis doing that, we're going to be going absolutely rage at him. It's like, what's he can do it? The thing is, if it's Joe Lewis that's doing that, it's getting pointed to the spot, and I mean, I think that's the yeah. the harsh yeah. reality of it. Yeah, just because he doesn't absolutely fool full force launch himself through him and ends up clipping him because Hedges is doing his best to avoid him doesn't mean that it's it's not a foul and therefore because it was in the box not a penalty kick it's just you've got I'm even more annoyed because you've got the assistant referee on that side of the pitch as well I mean you cannot claim that you didn't have a good view of that and didn't see that between the two of you it it, it was just a case of Clancy chickening out of making making that call making that decision and I think that's pretty pathetic because, you know, you can't be giving penalty kicks that you don't see. But between the two of you, you've absolutely seen that. And you have decided to give the benefit of the doubt wrongly to the team playing in blue. And that's bullshit, quite frankly, bullshit. The other stuff which has um, come out subsequently, yeah, it's, I mean, they are now a club that appears to be... that appears to put in positions of power the sort of wee guys that put together these dreadful badly edited uh, slow motion videos with the x-file music over the top of them it's laughable but it's not they're not doing this because they believe this it has to be seen as a piece of theater doesn't it philip it's it's like the tories laying into the bbc last week it's to divert attention from the fact that they were terrible last Tuesday night, they were lucky to get away with a point, and they're now they've now got a big game coming up next week, which I'd make Celtic heavy favourites for. Yeah, I mean, it it really is embarrassing, like you say that that slow motion video on Twitter. Oh God, that gave me a headache for about two nights. I think um, for for a start, half the things you shown were advantages, so I don't know why I made that. But like you say, I mean. 
it is it is very rich of a club like Rangers to to come out and attack the officiating in that match, considering their team, which has been so heavily protected for the last two years. I mean, when was the last time they had a sort of sending off and penalty given against them in a game? I could not recall from recent memory. Um, and it apparently, is... apparently, it was 2019 was the last time they got a red card against them. In the <sighs> See, it's... it's Pre-pandemic. Just, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, pre-COVID red cards. That's that's That deserves an award in itself. But yeah, it's it, it does make the mind boggle. I mean... I put, I put up a tweet earlier on today saying that if it was Aberdeen that put the complaint in against Clancy, there's no chance he'd be chopped off from officiating this weekend. We'd see him at the centre circle on Saturday against St Johnston as if nothing had happened. Um, and it's it's frustrating. Um, and I think there's this sort of narrow view from both the Glasgow teams at times um, where they act as if they're not the issue. We're going to get more of this as the season reaches the, the conclusion, aren't we, Martin? It's just going to it's just going to ramp up and ramp up. And you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past. Frankly, I wouldn't put it past our chairman to do likewise, because a certain element of every fan base loves this sort of thing and wants their club to act like this. Yeah, um, and it's you know, it's it's, a, it's it's pretty pathetic to be honest. I'm particularly coming from that too. I mean, you know, look, we've known we've known for years that you know, those two are refereed to a different standard, and this is what makes it. This is what makes it so funny. That they're coming, they're coming out with all these complaints and this eight-point letter and this sort of stuff, and obviously there's a carry-on that they're still you know, boycotting the BBC and all this kind of rubbish. Uh, but we know that they're they're refereed to a different standard, uh, and we're just supposed we're just supposed to accept it. Um, and it, it's embarrassing when they come out like that. And they know they've been doing it for for ages when they've had Jim Trainer and all this um, as their press officer. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't like us to be getting into that sort of thing. Um, you know, if if um, Big Dave could just stay off of Twitter and you know stay off of these bold statements, um, it would stay be a lot better. Radio. If he could just yeah, if he could stay off the of radio and just just kind of stay in the, stay in the background, it'd be much better. I'd enjoy that more. Um, try and be a, maybe you no, know, try and be a little bit more like Alan Burrows maybe. But some people love that bombast, don't they, Mark? Some people absolutely love that. They love the fact they see this as being open and transparent. When you know of recent dealings i suppose in the transfer market i'm not sure how open and transparent it is that you have to get your finance director uh, to confirm that what your chairman is saying is correct about a, a transfer dealing i don't know how open and transparent that is i don't think you should be open and transparent about transfer dealings i think they should be kept in-house but you're talking about hernandez right so they i mean that's a it's a weird one is it it's a weird one and i'm all for a chairman fighting the cause you know like being the figurehead having a voice uh, having a platform as well to be able to fight your corner when there's a corner worth fighting i suppose is the important point there so the rangers the rangers letter they're they're fighting they're, they're fighting a, nobody agrees with them you know unless you're bed covers or union jack and you've you've god save the queen hashtags in every single one nobody believes what they're doing is is correct um, it's not right um, we had just as much to to gripe about the the home fixture or our away fixture but I, I rocks like we should have won that day as well but we didn't go running to the press complaining about it and going back to what Martin says there Beaton didn't suffer for that he was given another high profile game the very next week um, so if we are talking about Cormac um, and shouting fighting causes then i'm all for it but there has to be an appetite for it amongst the fans uh philip as the uh officially nominated representative of the young team on the show tonight um yes. where do you sit on uh, cormac i like him um i do i do quite like him and i i like the differing approach um whether it brings us more success time will tell but um yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I never had the, the, the Donald days or anything. I've had Milne and Cormac, that's my benchmark. But I will say some some of the Cormac moments have been pretty funny. I mean they have made for crazy memes. Um but you know, it at times I would just like him just to, to wrap it a wee bit, um and maybe just, just focus on, you know, maybe earlier on in the season. Whitley is little radio burst did give us a little kick of form but um 
there, there is times where I think you know maybe maybe being on Twitter as a as a chairman's not the greatest idea in the world. Sorry, I think Burrows is a shout. I think he's probably the best mm-hmm. in the game at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I think and I think quite a lot of the stuff that Motherwell does is a club which yeah. I think really leading by example in terms of their social media, um, their chairman and, and just the way they interact with the community. And I feel Cormac's brought a greater community aspect to things. I will I will give him that. I think the the community stuff, especially with the pandemic's been brilliant. And um, I think that Stuart Mellon it wouldn't have been anywhere near the sort of same interaction. Yeah, I mean I, I was gonna bring up Burrows there because I think I think what appeals to me about him is he he seems as much more authentic. Now we know that Cormac's never tiring of claiming he was a beach boy, which I'm which I'm sure is the case. And you don't obviously put as much money into a club as he has unless you you know truly have truly believe in it because you're not going to see a return on your money. But to me, he kind of he does lack that sheen of authenticity. I don't know what you think. It could be a generational thing as well. Burroughs has kind of come up kind of through the ranks in Motherwell as well, right? Um, he's a younger guy. He's probably more um, in touch with your average fan, perhaps. I'd imagine he lives in Scotland, pr- mm-hmm. probably quite close to Motherwell. So um, Cormac from a distance and uh, Burroughs in the day-to-day is, is maybe a big difference as well. Um but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no denying the fact Cormac loves the club, and anything he is doing, um, rightly or wrongly, um, by spectators and fans and observers looking in, I suppose. I think, I think it all comes from the right place. Yeah, I think that's ultimately fair. Um, we've touched upon it a bit already in in passing, but Saturday, obviously, Edinburgh City in the Scottish Cup, fourth round, our first game in it this season. And it uh, it turned out not to be a banana skin, but quite frankly, a rather pedestrian afternoon where the golf and glass between the two sides was, was pretty evident. And once the first goal went in, there wasn't really any doubt as to how things would pan out. Uh, Martin, we did start really positively, I thought. We were finding spaces, finding opportunities. Um, we've spoken about how we struggled to get... Um, about how we struggled to get Ramirez into the game earlier. Um, he gets one chance, he takes it. Um, again, just that lack of just something extra in the final third. Now, at the moment, we're playing Ojo as an attacking midfielder. He did well on Saturday, absolutely, against League Two opponents. But is that part of the issue, maybe? Or is it is it a deeper thing? Um, I'm, not, I'm not really too sure, to be honest. I mean, Ojo's became this... Um, so, uh, Nicholas Alexanderson on Championship Manager type of player at the moment, <laughs> isn't he? Where he just um, he just gets he just sort of goes wherever. He just he's happy he's happy to be here, and he'll play wherever he's told. Um, and I think you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not really convinced of him really as a as an attacking midfielder to be honest. But um, you know, given I, I guess it's still. If you're going to maybe try something, try something or someone in a slightly different position from where you would probably prefer him, um, I guess Edinburgh City is is that is that um, is that team to do. I mean, it was yeah, we we I mean, we're greedy. We're as football fans, we know that. So we were we probably wanted, you know, we probably could have got a few more goals in that game. But it was really, I think, just a textbook, a textbook exercise in, in how to deal with a lower league team that you know again. People are always going to say, "Oh, banana skin," particularly with Aberdeen, because we've obviously struggled in the past um, against in, in some against some lower league teams, and we've obviously struggled this this season against one. Um, but uh, you're right; I mean, it was fairly pedestrian. Um, we did did exactly what needed to be done, um, and then you know later in the game, you obviously you see that you see them making some changes. Um, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Ramirez there. Um, again, one chance, one goal. You can't compl- I can't really complain about that. But it's just what we mentioned earlier. It's just getting him in the game. You'd like to see us just trying to, trying to kind of get you know create more chances for him. I mean, I think that after the second goal, it really it developed into a bit of a training exercise. Whereas, I think a lot of us would have liked to have seen the tempo stay at a kind of higher level and to, trying to maybe get Ramirez a bit more into the game and that didn't happen but I can understand why it didn't because you know it was it was over as a it was over as a contest almost you know as soon as that second goal went in 
Yeah, and Philip, to give the manager his due, he did come out and say afterwards that the first half was was so was really good, but the second half there was a drop off, and I'm sure he was making that point to his players as well. Um, and it was it was pretty dull in that second half. Let's be honest. One thing we did see in that second half though was Connor Barron come on to make his Don's debut. Um, I'm sure he would have got a token few minutes at the end of last season uh, had he not been away on loan. Um, but attacking midfielder came on um, for a centre half. Actually, Scott Brown went back into the back and um, Barron went up. It was a good game to blood him in, wasn't it? It was good to get him in against the level of opposition he's been used to. Obviously, being on on loan like Sakelty and Algon. Um, so it was nice to see him get get minutes. Um, I was quite surprised he didn't start really. Um, in all honesty, I, I thought Glass would maybe throwing him in from the start. Obviously, because they've not got a big squad anyway, we want to try and save legs. But we did come on. I, I did like the look of him. Um, on the ball, he seemed confident enough. But what I was really impressed with, um, I was saying this to my dad because I was at the game with him, was his movement off the ball. I, For, for, for a player of his age, um, he was so clever with where he was making his runs and when he was making them. Um, and it was really dragging players out of position. Obviously, we weren't really exploiting it because there just wasn't really a lot of creativity in the second half. But... Um, he was dragging players about. He was was looking to make runs in behind or come short. Um, and I think he's definitely one for the future. Um, obviously, hopefully he gets some more minutes now that he's back from his loan. Um, and it's just one of those time-will-tell moments. Yeah, Mark, he has been brought back from what would have been a season-long loan at Kelty. He could have very well been involved on, uh, in the shock on Saturday. So you, you would hope that he does see a healthy amount of minutes in the second half of the season. I hope so, and especially if, if he is a young attacking midfielder and we're, we're um, not necessarily criticising, but we're questioning whether Ojo can do that job. Maybe Barron's been brought in to compete with Ojo and you know hopefully like go on better than him. I like the look of him as well. Kind of, I don't know, a, a slight Ryan Fraser kind of look about him, but I thought he played more like a like a young Fraser 5 dare I say. You know, he was kind of he was making those runs, like we said there, so... Um, yeah, I mean, what's that to like? Young player coming through the youth team, getting his debut, everyone wants him to do very well. Like, yeah, let's hopefully we can we can see a bit more of him and um, he can show us what he can do as well, more importantly. Just briefly, uh, the draw for the fifth round obviously made, Martin. It's um, The ideal draw is always going to be the lowest-ranked team at home. Uh, we did not get that. Um, we are away from home at Motherwell. Uh, not a tie that should really fear us, but my fear, I suppose, is the fact that in the two games against them this season, they have dealt with us very, very comfortably. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure we're all absolutely buzzing to see the defence get ragdolled by Kevin Van Veen again. <laughs> um, that's going to be a great laugh. Um, and I think we'll play them, I think we'll actually play them like twice in the space of a week, yeah, don't we? Yeah, we, we go there in the, league, uh, the yeah. week after, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, not not an ideal draw, but um, yeah, there, there are harder teams we could have got, I suppose. Um, it just it's just a hopefully we've, hopefully the manager and the, the players have learnt from the previous games. Um, you know, I think they've you know, them having lost Tony Watt will probably hurt them a bit as well. Um, so um, it's, it'd be, it be it remains to be seen. You know what kind of what kind of challenge they're going to be for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, it is a pretty tough draw, to be fair. All right, well, looking ahead to the rest of the season, uh, at the end of February, Dundee United visit Pataudry. And on that day, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's statue will be unveiled. The statue's going to be outside the beach end, or the Richard Donald stand, for any newcomers since 1993. Um, And it will be a statue of him... With his arms aloft to the Aberdeen support at Easter Road on the day in 1980 when they first won the league title under him. Um, now, to mark that, obviously, he's going to be there on the day. He's um, going to enjoy the bountiful corporate hospitality. But in order to do something from the support, uh, Mark's involved in a project to um, deliver a TIFO that afternoon. So would you like to tell us a bit more, Mark? Um, yeah, I'll try. I'll try not to do a um, Tom Holland and just spoil the endings and stuff like that. But, um, 
yeah so i mean when it was announced there was a few a few fans got in touch with with myself and other members of the team as well just to ask you know are, are, are we doing something we should do something um, and we've taken that as um inspiration to just go and go and do what we've what we've done before i suppose so it's the same team um that was behind the the cooper uh tribute tifo and and other cup finals and semi-finals and other occasions so yeah we want to do something spectacular the the statue clearly comes from uh, the club as a thank you and i suppose a, a part that we can play on the day when when ferguson there is to show him how much he's still um fondly remembered loved um up here so that's 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 what we're we're hoping to do on the, the 26th okay and emphasize this is very much from the support so in order to to make this happen there's been a crowdfunder set up um, and you just launched it, I think, on Friday night and already um, you're more than halfway towards the target. Is that right? Yeah, actually, I think just before we um, started recording, I got a message to say that um, we've we've reached 50% of our first target. So, yeah, that's £2,500 um, donated by Aberdeen fans in a little over 48 hours. So that's that's phenomenal. Um, it is fan led. It's it's going to be largely fan funded. So the more the more funds that we can get in, the more we can do. You know, without trying to sound like children in need or any other kind of uh, charity that's that's out there. Um, it's just as simple as that. We're we're constrained by various safety regulations by um, the operations team at Pataudry, but we're also constrained by uh, budget. So at at nineteen oh three on Friday, we had zero pounds. In, in the in the bank, I suppose, um, and now we're up to two thousand five hundred. So for what we want to do, it, it's pretty simple. Like the more that we can raise, the more we can do. So the bigger we can we can make that um, occasion. I should I should probably say what the the URL is. Eh, that's like that's going to be that's going to be helpful. You can tell I'm not very good at this about like asking for for money. But the uh, I was going to say you'll be no good on dragons then. Oh, honestly, man. Honestly, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not good, and I, I, I'm very mindful as well that not everyone has spare cash at the moment. You know, the, the cost of everything is going up. Energy bills are going up. People have lost their jobs, and I realise that um, there are more important things than chucking a five or a ten or at us to do that. And I've made a point of saying that to quite a few people actually. Like if you can't, if you can't pay, that's fine. You know, don't. Don't make that donation if you if you can't. There are more important things. Um, if you are in a position where you can, then brilliant. Give us whatever you're comfortable giving. Um, and there are other ways to help out as well. Clearly, we'll need help setting up on the day, um, sharing it to your own audiences on social. That would be brilliant. Maybe having a whip round as well. You know, if you, if you can't physically um, afford to make a contribution then perhaps next time you're down the pub with your mates you have one less round and that can get contributed to that i don't know it's your money mm -hmm. do you know yeah um no absolutely but the 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 url if you are um keen is just giving slash crowdfunding slash fergie hyphen typho 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 um maybe maybe the here we go guys would be kind enough to post that link when they're promoting the the podcast yeah of course of course uh so but you know absolutely reiterate what mark says um there are other ways in which you can support this um you know when it comes to it, it you know this is going to be if all goes to plan i believe it's going to be the entire richard donald stand so that's it's going to need a lot of manpower of time as well so you know if um if you are going to be able to help at that point then i'm sure mark will be looking for volunteers come then but until that point yes the the sort of bigger the pot that can be raised the more spectacular this will be and hopefully we do get a good crowd along for this one um you know I, i'm sure that i'm sure at Pitaudry they'll be looking towards something approaching a full house i think that's maybe um unlikely to happen in this day and age for one of the mill league game against Dundee united even with the draw of seeing so Al uh, so alex in person um, but um, but hopefully it is a good turnout and hopefully it's a, it's a full Richard Donald stand that uh, we're able to utilise the, the TIFO in. Um, so, yeah, we'll obviously share that link on our social media 
but um, also if you want to check out Mark's page um, at Dolly Digital on both uh, Twitter and Facebook and probably Instagram and TikTok and all the other shites as well. So um... all, all over that shite. All over that shite. <laughs> I, I should say, so, Richard, like we hope to do the full RDS, but as yeah. I say, we've, we've got funds that we'd restrict that at the moment. Of course, so the yeah. more that it comes in, the more that we can um, push out larger you know we'd, we'd love to do the full stadium but you know that's just not not possible but yeah. we do have we do have some some plans so each, each card that we have is going to be it's going to have something um printed on it as well so it's a bit of a souvenir of the day as well so people can take it away rather than lob it whatever united winger happens to be taking a, a corner um there's plans to do a, a specific type of banner that to my knowledge has never been done in scotland before either so there's a few things that we're, we're hoping to do but it's all it's all dependent on the funds so but thank you for your support as always and i'm sure everyone can remember you know how memorable that um, neil cooper display was ahead of the burnley game and indeed uh, the scottish cup final uh, display against celtic um and some of the League Cup finals as well. Uh, and, you know, as Mark says, it's going to be the same team working on this. You know that your your funds are not going to be wasted, that they're going to be put towards something that's going to look fantastic. So um... Proper proper Aberdonians on this. Every penny will be stretched out <laughs> as much as we possibly can, you know. Uh, so, yes, um, hopefully that is something you can get behind, as I say, if not uh, monetarily then um, with your hard physical labour uh, when the, the day comes, because that will be uh, required as well. Um, so that's a TIFO that's going to be happening uh, for the visit of Dundee United at the end of February. In the week ahead, however, we are back to league action, and it's these run-of-the-mill games that have been... We spent a lot of the season, Philip, talking about how we have struggled here are you a bit more optimistic about the week ahead which is St Mirren and Paisley on Tuesday and, and uh, bottom club St Johnston at Pataudry on Saturday are you a bit more optimistic over what you've seen in the, the first couple of games after the break than you might have been about these games if they'd happened uh, in December yeah um, absolutely I think the, the the form we've been on compared to, to St Mirren and St Johnston would you know you'd, you're, you're naturally going to be confident going into these games and um, but being Aberdeen, they, they always seem to become sticky wickets. So I'm not going to hold my breath and um, claim we're going to blow them out of the water. But um, we should really be aiming for six points out of the two of them. Um, I think really, really anything short of six is a, a bit disappointing. I mean, St Johnston's lost, what, 10, 10 out of 10 recently. Um, so, I mean, at home, that should hopefully be an easy win. St Mirren away, hard to call. They're pretty poor at home. Um third worst defence in the league so I'm hoping we're going to get something out of both of them but I don't want to send them with conviction so that people can then come and clown me on Twitter uh, I'm afraid that's one of the drawbacks to raising your head above the parapet uh, <laughs> on here um, obviously what I will say Martin is that St Johnston are likely to still be bottom, I've not looked at the table I think they're almost guaranteed to still be bottom of the table in fact I think they're four points adrift um, when they come up to Pataudry on Saturday and our record against teams at the bottom of the table has been piss poor uh, Unfortunately it has, yeah um, <laughs> but I mean St Johnston are really bad at the moment, they're going to they're, no, they're, they're in big trouble this season um, the bits I've seen of them it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good for them um, but you know, kind of sort of going back to what we were saying earlier, you know, things are starting to click a lot better. You know, I mean, there's you know, from the beginning of the beginning of the season, we said we saw like green shoots, and um, I think it's a lot more positive now. We can see this is a team with, you know, and as you as you say, with sort of like you know, the playing the way he wants to, you can see what this team is. There's a, there's you're starting to see an identity about us, um, and I think that you know, yes, yeah, similar in a way, so, and then St Johnson at home. I think it's games that. You know, again, as you say, put your head up above the parapet. Uh, we we really should be looking at you know we should be looking at these games as you know winning them um, and winning them winning them quite convincingly. Um, I'm not saying we're going to knock five or six goals past them, obviously, but this is what this is what is what we should be looking at. Um, I knew yeah, you'd so. take Phillips. Oh yeah, six points out of six, uh, and go a step further, winning them both quite convincingly. Convinc- okay. convincingly we'll see how that works. Convin- I mean, to be yeah, fair, conv- if you, convincingly if you as you again. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go on. Um, I'm just. I, I'm not meaning like say like we're going to go beat them both ten nil um, or something like that. You know, and you no know, jets going to get you no know, 
ten goals. I'm not I'm not going to go that overboard, but you just you look at those teams, you look at where they are and where, how they've been playing, and we should be we should be, you know, compared to our our ambitions as well. Um, I know we've just we spoke about like how, how good some of the players are. We talk about Ferguson. We talk about this. We should be looking at these teams and saying this is games we should be we should be just uh, chalking off. It's no, it's games that you know we used to be able just to to kind of to turn up and win. You see, I th- I was gonna be kind on uh, on Emmanuel Thomas and not mention obviously what happened <laughs> on Saturday, and then then you then you're snarky about him and your response there. So it's yeah, um, so Philip, you were gonna say something. I, yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, I think the, the St Mirren game in Paisley, I think we really need to come out with the same sort of pace that we did at the game at Petardre, because we've got no reason not to. I mean, we blew them completely out of the water, and it was, you know, it gave us a bit of confidence going into subsequent games. Um, so I would like to see us come out with the same sort of intensity again. Yeah, one of our more coherent attacking displays of the season, absolutely. Yeah. And, and even down there, I think we did cause some problems until the Jenks red card um, kind of turned that game on its head. Just briefly, because we're still inside the transfer window, Mark. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of like reading between the lines, reading the tea leaves. But the language seems to have changed a little bit with regards to anybody coming in. It makes me think that it's, you know, if someone comes in, it will just be as a replacement for someone that goes out. I mean, I agree. It uh, doesn't make for compelling listening to anyone um, <laughs> with their headphones in right now, but but, but totally, that, that is what it seems like. Um, I do think we need strengthening. Like if, if we were to, I don't even want to talk about it, but if we were to lose our number nine, then I think our season would be screwed. And actually, if I think back, that's happened more than once. We get out of the, the window and we, we lose a Rooney or, or something like that, and that's it, the, the season's screwed. So... We've, we've recalled quite a few players, so maybe maybe there's a greater um, appetite to to blood these youngsters and discover another Calvin Ramsey, somebody that can just fit in straight away. McKenna done it a few years ago. He, he came in and performed well. So um, maybe we should. Um, I, I'm going to say it anyway. It's just like trust the process. You know? <laughs> like let's let's get let's get some of our players in that have been in since 12, 13, 14, dreaming of a game and dreaming of a goal, and, and give them a give them a chance. Um, we want to be looking up, and I think you need to bring in experience to to help these these young players coming up. Um, and I think that's partly how um, Lewis Ferguson has has come on a game recently. I think him. Um, working and playing alongside someone like Scott Brown has done him wonders. So, yeah, I, I think you'd want to bring in, you want a superstar to come in, but I think the reality is um, we probably won't. And I think you need the money to come in before we can do anything too. You know, so you need you need the money from a Ramsey sale or a Ferguson sale before you can go and splash the cash elsewhere. Yeah, that's another pool quote for the posters. Not compelling listening for anybody with headphones. <laughs> I'll design the post. <laughs> There's going to be uh, Mark spoke, uh, Philip, about uh, some of the guys coming back on loan, and, and yeah, Connor Barnes come in, and he's hopefully going to see some minutes. But I suspect that some of them are just coming back because they weren't getting enough minutes where they were. Michael Ruth being a case in point, um, he had fallen out of favour at Falkirk after Paul Sheeran left there, so I think he's probably going to find himself at a and other um, lower league club, um, but. Yeah, the the worry certainly is at centre forward, surely, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of the young boys are coming back and maybe not necessarily be led in, but I mean, like you say, they've fallen out of favour and obviously with the, the sort of new rules around um, COVID hit squads and the numbers needed to, to play games, etc. I think part of it's down to that, just to make sure there is players there. Um, but I think, yeah, attacking options is is what we're screaming out for. And I think it's one of those things we've been screaming out for for a while, um, especially creativity in that sort of 10 role um, we've lacked at times. So it would be nice to maybe see someone come in there. Not that I'm confident anyone would arrive this window. I think a lot of it's, like, uh, like Mark said, dependent on whether Ramsey and Ferguson goes to free up funds or if Hedges goes... Um, I think it's very dependent on on exits if we're getting any sort of incomings. One incoming confirmed this window already, Martin, is Dante Polvara. Um, Did our little debrief um, with um, Dan, who commentated on his games for Georgetown, give you, uh, whet your appetite at all? 
It did, yeah. I mean, you, you, I think it's you know, talk, you talk to these guys, particularly the guys that are to, dealing with American soccer, um, and they, they really know how to talk. They really know how to talk you around. These guys are, you know, I think as well as commentators, these guys are salesmen. I think. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, yeah to, be, to sell... be fair, we never asked it, we never got anyone on about Jack Gurr, to be fair. No. Yeah, fair, fair point. But no, some of the some of these guys could sell sand to the Arabs, to be honest. Um, they're so good. Um, but no, I'm I, you're excited about this. I mean, this guy, I mean, I know there's people are going to question the level the level of football he was playing at. I understand that. Um, but there's been some decent players have, have won, the, won the award that he did, um, what he did win. Um, you know, there's lots of there's lots of good stuff being written about him. He seems to have, you know, he seems to have quite a lot of ability. The, I know it doesn't it isn't any kind of gauge on how good a player he is, but the the stuff you have seen, the clips, the YouTube stuff, he looks to be decent. Again, we don't know about the level the level that's obviously coming from, um, but no, you've you've got you've got to be positive about it. You've got, I, mean, I think you'd be you know, you'd be a little bit excited about this um, coming over here. Just hopefully, you know. Um, everything goes goes straight forward, and he can he can play for us quite soon. Mark, that, this, sorry, Philip. No, just what I said that that exact sort of argument that someone on Twitter who is immediately writing them off before the wheels had even touched down at dice. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those things. He can only play who is in front of him. I mean, it's not his fault. He was born in New York and not born in Buenos Aires or somewhere, for example. You know, his his options were the American collegiate system, um, and like you say, I mean. People speak highly of him. He seems to be a confident young player. So I'd, I'd, it's it's a really risk-free signing for us. I mean, we've not spent any money. He turns out to be a superstar. We make a fortune. He turns out to be a dud. We sell him to Sacramento for 50 grand. <laughs> My concern with him with the age he is coming in is that there is now, there's no route for him to get football if it's not with the first team. Because, you know, we have an under-18 side, but we don't have a B team or a reserve team anymore. So I, I, I don't see where he's going to get the minutes unless he comes into the team. And, you know, are you going to get up to speed just by training? Um, I think that is something that needs to be addressed. I think a couple of years ago, we, we did have sort of a B team and they were playing games against like Brentford and, and so on, weren't they? That seems to have fallen by the wayside. Maybe it's a COVID thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a structural thing. I'm not quite as up to date on how the teams in the SPFL are, are handling um, the youth leagues and so on. I know we've got an under-18 league, which um, Barry Robson's obviously in charge of a Don side there. But it's, yeah, are we totally reliant on just putting players out on loan if once they're above that age? Or will there be any opportunity for guys who are maybe not going to feature week in, week out? Because there are, I think he has now got the core of his team who are going to play most games, most weeks. So he's... Trimmed the squad down quite a bit this window. He's, he's let a couple of loanees go back who weren't getting minutes. He's got Jack Gurr going, obviously. But there's still going to be guys in and amongst there who aren't getting the minutes. So how are we keeping them fit beyond just bounce games between the squad? It, it's, it's a question that, yeah, I would like to see answered. Certainly whether that's the resumption of these sort of schedule games that they'd um, put together a couple of years ago. Um, or something else to to replace that we'll have to wait and see so that would be my question about that and, and whether dante is actually able to come in and, and start right away is is definitely a question mark because yeah that's the big unknown it's uh, how does he adapt from the standard at which he has been playing at to the standard he he is going to be faced with when he uh, well he is here but when he gets the the green light to actually start playing Okay, uh, that is our show this week. Um, my huge thanks to uh, Philip Mayer. Phil, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on again. To Mark Elwick. Mark, thanks a lot. Thank you, Richard. Mark, do you want to give the um, address for the fundraiser again? Um, I did a really piss-poor job of it before, so let's do it better this time. So it's www.justgiving slash crowdfunding slash Fergie Tifo. That's W. No, I won't do it again. Is it Fergie Dash Tifo? Fergie. I did I fuck it up again. Fergie <laughs> oh, I think you did. Tifo. Oh, no. <laughs> I think you did let's, fuck let's up again. again. <laughs> let, let, let's do that again. And, you, you know, I, I know for a fact you'll edit this out. But, um, I might just it, let it, it run. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> I know you will. Um, no, it's www.justgiving 
slash crowdfunding slash Fergie hyphen Tifo. But if you're not sure, I'm sure you're going to post it and you can check me out across add the socials we're even on bebo and um, msn <laughs> messenger. messenger yeah 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 okay uh you, you excellent can see what i'm listening to if you if you tune into that and well. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to martin martin thanks cheers we'll be back oh christ knows when we'll be back but we'll do something some point um uh, and um yeah it might be good it might not be but you can listen you can not it's up to you until then, coming to you, Reds.